And the Academy Award for Best Picture. Come on. La La Land. La La Land has 14 Oscar nominations this year and is tied for the most nominated movie in Oscar history, winning seven Oscars. Production design, cinematography, original score, song, directing, actress, and best picture. There's there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. I want to tell you what happened. I opened the envelope, and it said, Emma Stone, La La Land. That's why I took such a long look at Faye and at you. I wasn't trying to be funny. (laughs) Well, I don't know what happened. I blame myself for this. Let's remember, it's just an award show. I mean, uh, we hate to see people disappointed, but the good news is we got to see some extra speeches. We have some great movies. Um, I knew I would screw this show up. I really did. Thank you for watching. I'm back to work tomorrow night on my regular show. I promise I'll never come back. Good night. What's happening? <laughs> God damn, I feel good today. Went out with my friends, haven't seen since forever the other night. Went to a local brewery, drank a couple beers, caught up, broke some balls. Good shit. Starting to feel normal again. Still wearing masks and doing that stupid fucking elbow bump thing that that's the lamest thing in the world. Who came up with that stupid crap anyway? Fuck that. You know, you're not going to get COVID by knuckle bumping somebody. We're going to look back on this elbow bumping thing in 10 years. And it's going to look as lame as watching white people dance in the 80s. Stop embarrassing yourselves with the elbow bump. Either knuckle bump or wave to each other or fuck it. You know what? Bow to each other like they do in Asian cultures. That's more respectable anyway. I get my second dose of the uh, COVID vaccine, Pfizer, uh, next Wednesday. It's the day I normally record the show. So I'm definitely going to try to record the show early if I can. I've heard that sometimes that second dose of Pfizer makes you feel a little tired or fuzzy the next day. And I cannot do the show tired and fuzzy. So look for the show on Wednesday. Did you see the hot water Joe Rogan got into the other day? He said something on his podcast about how if you're 21 years old and if you asked him, you know, if if you should get the vaccine, he'd say no. Like if you're healthy and you exercise all the time and you're young and you eat well, you don't have to worry about it. Like he hasn't even bothered to read about how many young people 
who were in perfect health contracted COVID and died from it, or at least were left with, you know, serious health issues afterward. Yeah, listen to Rogan, everybody. He's a doctor now. My friend Chrissy, Chef Ludo's wife, she contracted COVID some time ago. She got sick, got over it, but she still can't smell anything, can hardly taste. Can you imagine that? Imagine being around Ludo all the time. He cooks for you. You can't smell or or taste his food. Don't fuck around with COVID. Get the vaccine. Get over your fear of needles. Just get vaccinated. Okay, I have to admit, I struggled this week. I had things to talk about, but I didn't quite know what to say about the things I wanted to talk about. And this is becoming a problem for me lately. I can't quite hit the nail on the head. Then I have to rehearse the show a bunch of times and it just feels rushed. But it hit me this morning. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fueled up on coffee and I'm ready to go. I'm an outdoorsman. I prefer the woods over the city. I prefer to be outside more than I prefer to be inside. If I could pull it off, I'd sleep in a tent in the forest the majority of the time. I'm an environmentalist to an extent. I'm not a sandal-wearing granola and tree hugger who only showers twice a week, but I do wear sandals in the summer. I eat granola. I shower every day because I'm not a fucking animal. That's gross. I know the earth is taking a beating because of what we're doing to the ozone layer, to the ocean, to the fish, to the crust of the earth. So I do my part as much as I can. I recycle. I conserve water. I don't waste energy. You know, I'll wear a coat or spark a fire in the fireplace before I run the heater in the winter. I'll keep my windows open at night during the summer. I close them in the morning, making my house as dark as possible keep it cool until I can't take it and I turn the AC on. I don't leave lights on in the house in places where I'm not. I think I'm I'm baseline normal for the average environmentally conscious person on earth. No big deal. I don't expect a, a pat on the back for it. The one thing I do not do is brag or preach about any of this. I feel like I'm I'm running circles where I'm trying to go here. So Let me get to it before I lose my focus. No, fuck me. I think I lost my focus. (laughs) Uh, I, I give President Biden credit for giving that speech last week about going green and his dedication to having us on renewable energy by 2032 or whatever year it was. And we're trying to break our dependence on fossil fuel, harness the energy of the sun, the wind, drive electric cars so we're not dependent on gas, and farting toxic fumes into the air. Good stuff, all right? I'm all for it. Here's where I have a problem, and I know I'm not alone. These motherfuckers who do nothing but preach about environmental issues need to take a look in the mirror, a hard look. The hypocrisy of the environmentalist movement makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Case one, REI. Listen, I love REI. It's an expensive place to shop. But if you're serious about backpacking or cycling, hiking, climbing, that's the place you want to go to get the best gear. It's the Nordstrom for white outdoorsy types. I don't spend a lot there, but I do shop there. Sometimes I go there just to look around, chill my mind out for half an hour. I don't buy anything. 
It's like window shopping therapy. REI is all about the outdoors. Fantastic. But they're hypocrites. Last week, on Earth Day, and there seems to be a, a, a day for ev- pretty much everything right now, IPA Day is my personal favorite. On Earth Day, REI runs this ad featuring the Ford Bronco Sport, which is basically just selling the car. It's this group of cyclists that go on this cross-country tour and they need this truck to take them everywhere. Turns out, this truck gets some of the worst gas mileage of any truck on the market. The ad had a quote like, uh, the Ford Bronco is a, it's a good option for them. It's got high clearance, four-wheel drive. It's the ultimate outdoor rig. For a company who calls climate change the largest existential threat to enjoyment of, of the outdoors and the survival of REI and, you know, everybody who shops there, it's absolutely tone deaf of them to have run an ad like this on, of all days, Earth Day. So REI gets called out on pretty much everywhere, the media, social media. They had to take a step back and look at themselves. You know, like, yeah, maybe we really didn't think this thing through. Yeah, maybe you didn't. Maybe all along, you don't really give a shit about climate change. I mean, how are all the people who shop at your store getting to the destinations that they have to get to to use your gear? They've got to drive or fly, and that costs gas, a lot of it. If they'd promoted an electric car or truck, not a problem. I'm not sure it's a good idea unless you've got a, you know, you're carrying a massive generator with you so you can recharge it in case you run out of juice. But that would have at least saved them the embarrassment. Like I got into the idea of bike packing a couple of years ago. Bike packing is where you load all your camping shit on your bike and you pedal to your destination. It's like, you know, sometimes a 300 mile round trip or something. Limited amount of bike packing gear at REI. Very limited. You'd think they'd sell the idea of using your bike to travel a little more if they truly cared about this. Case two, Outside Magazine. I saw their hypocrisy years ago. I loved that magazine. I took it for well over a decade. They broke the story of of Death on Everest by John Krakauer, became Into Thin Air, and then another book that he wrote, Into the Wild. That magazine spoke to me in my lifestyle for a long time. Good stories, nice photography. It's always something worth reading in every issue. But after a while, it turned into a marketing machine. Nothing but gear, reviews, two ski issues a year with all the gear you got to get, you know, buy this, buy that, buyer's guides. It was like I was paying for a marketing brochure. But the hypocrisy? You write stories about climate change and global warming and the death of the rainforest, and how logging is bad. But your magazine is printed on paper. How many fucking trees had to get whacked by the henchmen you hire in order to print that magazine? And don't give me the recycling bullshit either. And the travel issues, the top 50 must-visit destinations for the summer. Again, cost gas to get to those places. Outside, should have gone strictly digital a long time ago. Print the magazine to PDF from InDesign, call it a day. Circulation would go down, but you could charge less for it. Your production costs would go down, right? You'd make up for it in higher subscription numbers. 
Put shit on on a website, behind a paywall, anything. But stop with the global warming shit and preaching about how the forests are being depleted while you print a brochure that you call a magazine on paper. But I had to look it up here. Here's what Outside is doing now. You can no longer just get a print subscription. You get a print and a digital subscription. So I sense that at some point, they're going to phase out that print edition. And the reason I sense this is because Outside Magazine no longer publishes monthly. They produce six issues a year now. They still do the buyer's guides twice a year, which is gross. You know, you're paying for that shit. But it looks like people stop reading their magazine. I don't even know if you can find it on shelves anymore. I haven't looked. I read their website from time to time. That's where all the real content is anyway. Here's another one, and this might piss my buddy Don off a little. Edward Abbey, brilliant author, okay, spearheaded the Earth First movement. Yeah, he hiked all over the place, but he also drove a gas-eating beast all over the place too. He wrote about it several times in great detail. And then I saw this video on YouTube of his life. He's driving this 68 Buick or whatever the hell it was, size of a house, toxic fart machine of a car. He drove the worst kind of car, got maybe 10 miles to the gallon. But he'd write shit in his essays, telling Americans to destroy their vehicles. Don't say one thing, then do another. All right? I'm not picking on REI, Outside Magazine, or Abbey for doing what they did. I'm picking on them for doing what they did after telling people not to do the very things that they did. And listen, we're all hypocrites. You know, we all have some hypocrisy in us. It's inherent. But we're not making shitloads of money with our hypocrisy. Ugh. Did you guys watch the Oscars? Probably not too many of you, since it got the lowest ratings of any Oscar show in history. Less than 9 million people turned into that show. <laughs> I watched it, wished I didn't. What a shit show. I think the producers were practically begging people not to watch. First off, they held it in a train station because of COVID. Can't use the Kodak Theater. Questlove, DJs the whole thing, didn't have an orchestra. They mixed up the order of the awards so much that I missed the Best Director category because I was outside for a bit during a commercial break. They handed that award in the middle of the show. Made zero sense. The entire thing was an abomination. Then... This is the worst. They had some guy. I don't remember who he was. He gets up there to some hip-hop jam Questlove is playing. Starts, you know, yelling at the audience, make some noise, get your hands up. At the fucking Oscars, dude. I should have seen this coming, but I didn't. Let me back up for a second here. I started, I became interested in the Academy Awards because of my mother. My mom always talked about the golden age of film from the time she was little. She was a big fan of movies like Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Dr. Zhivago. And the Academy Awards ceremony was this celebration of the art of filmmaking. So I'd watch it with her. Bob Hope hosted. Then it was Jimmy Carson. And my mother smiled the entire time. I loved watching it with her. And as I became an adult, I'd call mom on Oscar night, talk about the show, who won, who lost. But after a while, I'd call mom and I'd ask her what she thought. She said, I didn't watch. I'm not that interested anymore. 
But mom, Billy Crystal is so funny. Not interested. You know what happened? The show started to suck. The movie started to suck. My mom saw this. It lost its glam for her. But I saw past it. I did start to get a little tired of the show when Crystal started opening the show with these big music numbers and the singing and all that crap. Just hand out the awards. Show is just last too long. Then you've got Ellen DeGeneres, who I can't stand, doing all kinds of stupid stunts and shit. And they cut people off for talking too long after they've reached the height of their lifelong dream of winning an Oscar in front of millions of people because time is short, can't have the show go on forever. Wrap it up. But this bitch is going to cut the middle of the show in half to take a selfie with a bunch of movie stars as a stunt. It's disgraceful. But it really became intolerable for a lot of people when award winners started preaching about politics or civil rights on stage. And I know that Susan Sarandon got a bad rap for it because everyone thought she started it. But this has been going on for decades. Remember, Marlon Brando won the Best Actor Award for The Godfather, sent a Native American woman, Pocahontas or something up there, to say that he rejects the award, he's not going to come back to the ceremony until Native Americans are given their due. The winner is... Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Accepting the award for Marlon Brando and The Godfather, Miss Tashin Littlefeather. Hello, my name is Sashin Littlefeather. I'm Apache, and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards, that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening, and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando. That was 1974 or something. So now, rich, entitled, white, famous people getting up on that stage, preaching politics, to the fucking choir. No one else gives a shit what you think other than the people who you mingle with in the in the $5,000 suit you wear and the dresses, drinking Cristal at the after party. Fuck off with that shit. Take the award. Say thank you. Get the hell off the stage. But here's where it went south. Political correctness stepped in. Film Twitter started. This whole Oscars so white thing started to happen, trending. Black actors and filmmakers were being excluded. 
Even if a black actor took home a trophy, they'd still complain that not enough people of color were being included in the nominations. To boycott the Oscars, they said. So what did the Academy start to do? They started nominating more people of color. Now what? Well, now we need a black host. Okay. Kevin Hart. He's funny. Makes movies. Kevin Hart is your host. Wait. Film Twitter says, I posted some homophobic shit about four years ago. That upsets the gay community. Well, fuck. Now what? All right, Kevin, you can't host. Is there any other black person we can get so we don't get into more hot water? Well, shit. Now no one wants to do the job. So guess what? No host this year. But we're going to let a bunch of celebrities get up there, hand out the awards, and let them tell some really unfunny jokes that make people feel uncomfortable. Well, guess what happens? Look at that ratings drop. I think you know where this is going. Pretty soon now, we've got a show that's buckling to the pressure of social media and activism and designing their ceremony to appease those people. The problem is, that was never their audience. Their audience has been people like my mother and the 10-year-old me. And there are more of us than there are of this cancel culture mob you're tailoring your show to. Produce a show for them, you're going to get 9 million people to watch. Produce a show for the rest of us, you're going to get back to 30 million. And I do not care if this sounds elitist. Why do you think people still talk about the Oscars? But the voters of Ampass stuck the golden trophy up the ass of the producers of that uh, Oscar show. (laughs) They switch around the order of the awards, remember? You know what they normally do? The last awards usually go like this. Best actress, best actor, best director, best picture, goodnight Gracie. This year, they decided to do the best director somewhere in the middle, best picture somewhere near the end, and they saved best actor for last. You want to know why they put best actor last? Because Chadwick Boseman is a fantastic actor, starred in Black Panther, passed away last year. And his last movie which he was very good in, got him a nomination. So the show producers figure he's a shoe-in for a posthumous win. How do you say that word? Posthumous? What a finish that is, right? Actor of color, takes home the last trophy of the night. It'll excite the cancel culture crowd to no end, except the voters of the Academy had a little more runny diarrhea to add to the punch bowl. And the Best Actor Oscar goes to Anthony Hopkins, who himself, he was so convinced that Bozeman was going to take home this award, he didn't even show up. He was sleeping in his bed at his home in England, didn't even realize he'd won the award till he woke up the next morning. How's that for a finish to your giant shit show, you assholes? The Oscars either need to give it up, stream this thing on their website, Or put it on TikTok where their entitled cancel culture fans hang out. Or you could pull a gun with the wind, say, frankly, I don't give a damn. Go back to doing the classy show you once did. Either way, I couldn't give a shit less. The Golden Globes sucked. Now the Oscars sucked. I don't have time for this crap. And the movies this year were lukewarm anyway. I haven't seen Nomadland, but I read the reviews and everybody who has seen it tells me about it, they all say the same thing. Kind of dark, almost depressing. You know, I'll watch it, but I don't know if I'm going to end up liking it. I'll say this. 
It does not take much to bring me down these days. And depressing movies will do that in a matter of minutes. And I'd rather laugh or watch some action. I will tell you what's really making me happy lately. Yard work. My back patio garden area went to absolute hell last year. I didn't tend to it like I normally do in the summer. And by winter, it was all overgrown and messy and just looked like ass. It had never looked that bad, ever. So I had a mountain of work to do if I was going to get this thing back. So I thought up this plan for a redesign and a way to simplify the whole thing. Thing was, I was faced with like a lot of backbreaking work to get it where it needed to be. And I'm not the kind of dude who hires people to do his yard work. It's a man's job. I'll do the work myself. But that's when I realized just how lethargic and lazy COVID had made me. I couldn't get motivated to get out there. You know, I'll start it next week. Ah, I got this thing coming up. I'll do it the week after that. Finally, I just told myself, get out there and start it. Do it in increments. So I got going and the momentum built up. I started to enjoy it. I didn't do it in increments. So just started plowing through it like shit through a goose. Before I knew it, I was halfway done. So I gave myself a day or two to relax and then I finished the rest. And now it's done. It looks clean back there. It's beautiful. I've got new plants growing. I'm not going to have to worry about weeds anymore. But doing that work out there with the sun beating on me, smelling the chlorophyll, getting my hands in the dirt, feeling tired and sore, dirty water running off me in the shower afterward, you know, that brought me back down to a a sense of what things were like a long time ago. And like I said earlier about meeting my friends at the brewery, you don't realize how much you miss normal until normal's taken away from you. I found Zen out there in the garden. I'm glad it's finished, but man, it was a nice feeling while it lasted. Another thing I've realized is how important it is to nurture your relationships and how lucky I feel to have the friends that I have. You know, they're like family. You know you have really good friendships when your life gets in the way of them for a couple years or a few years and then you go back to them. They fully understand that your life was complicated. They're just happy to have you back. You pick up where you left off and you can apologize until you're blue in the face, but it doesn't matter to them. They don't want your apologies. They're just happy to be hanging out with you again. They love you just as much today as they did when you last talked to them. Those are true friendships. I've been married twice, and with both wives, sometimes we didn't have to say anything to each other in order to communicate. Sometimes it's a look or a raised eyebrow or a shrug or a nod. That type of communication, when you're on a wavelength with someone so secure, you don't need to speak. That's the kind of friendship that I think we should all try to, you know, obtain. And making new friends, one of the hardest things to do sometimes, because you don't know who you're dealing with. You're starting from scratch. It takes a while to discover what makes that person tick. So you can be a year into the friendship. Suddenly, you know, the person drops an N-bomb, calling people apes and losers, and you're checking out. Hopefully you think, you know, these people, they're going to show chinks in the armor sooner rather than later, but sometimes it just takes a while. So if you've got good friends, keep them close. Don't lose them. Who said it? If you can count your true friends on one hand, you're a rich man. That. That's what makes Facebook so fallible. 1,000 friends? It's a giant pile of horse shit. You have 1,000 people you've met over the years, knew them from school or something. 
get to know each one of those 1,000 friends on an intimate level. And then let me know how many of them you'd invite to your birthday party or to spend the weekend with at the cabin. We'd be at the dinner table with my wife's parents and someone would say something that my wife knew would set me off and she'd touch my leg with her foot under the table. That was my cue to zip my lips. Don't start a fight. So, you know, I didn't say anything. If you can communicate in that way with your friends, you're rich. Well, I think I got through it. Just to let you know, the show's going to be going on a two-week hiatus, late May to early June, so we'll see our first break in the action. Uh, I'd love to be able to do 56 shows this year, but yeah, I'm sure you're, you're a little uh, annoyed with me. Some of you uh, probably find me annoying, could use the break. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Make some new friends. Cheers. Cheers.